This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm Wayne Barton, joined by the wonderful Manchester United legend, my good friend Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm all right, Wayne. I'm, in fact, I'm fine. Absolutely fine. It's lovely sunny down in the south, but it's cold out there, trust me. I was, <laughs> I was out in my car. I went out, I had to go out by about eight o'clock and... Kept the, had the engine running for 15 minutes to get the frost off. And I tell you, when I still actually got in the car, still hadn't, the frost was still there on the rear windows and every, it was bitterly cold yeah. this morning. Well, it's, you won't be surprised to find that's the same up north. Um, it's yeah. um, snowed overnight, um, but we're all in a good Ooh. mood because, um, because United... One yesterday. Um, Talking Devils brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Uh, classic Football Shirts Hull. They have a, a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in their physical stores as well. Listeners to this podcast get a ten percent discount using TOTD10 at checkout on online. And and also always like to give a little shout out to regular listeners. So that's Arsan, uh, Ben Allen, Ben McManus, Eric O'Brien, Gary Cook. Um, thanks again for everyone for listening the kind words that you say about the podcast um, remember if you do enjoy the show give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and of course subscribe if you're not already oh what a week Paul and before we get to the main event um, 
let's start with the star, which is Manchester United um, winning at, at Fulham to go back to the top of the Premier League. Even though City have kind of got it in their own hands at the moment, but but United sort of keeping in there. Um, ensuring that the draw at Anfield was good momentum by by winning. Um, we got Paul Pogba scoring that incredible goal. Despite going behind, United came back again to win away. Um, Pogba was the winner, but um, the equaliser came through Cavani. That type of goal that he scores, and then the, the goal from Pogba was definitely the type of goal that he scores as well. Um, a deserved win without being incredible, but impressive resilience nonetheless. Uh, what did you make of that trip to Craven Cottage? Well, it's one of them that I think there would have been a lot of Manchester United fans a little bit concerned about it because Fulham have, you know, really made a big change or a big impression this season in the Premier League and how they, you know, from how they started to what they what they had become. Not many teams do that. Generally, it's at the top of the table and you see teams up there getting get a run of form, but for a side to virtually be almost even before the season started saying everyone said they were going down they started everyone said yep got that absolutely correct then and the transformation has been incredible and what they've gone and done in some of the games and I've seen them play and I've seen them play at home against Liverpool where even I was disappointed that they they should have won the game but a dodgy penalty a handball one one those silly handball ones referee gives it and it's just strange but other than, you know, but even after that game, they went and showed their metal and what they've suddenly become their biggest problem, which is, which is the fact that makes or breaks you, is the fact that they struggle to score goals. Yeah. And when they go in front against, against Manchester United, I'm sure everyone's thinking, oh no, well, because they, you know, what they've shown before. But United had gone behind in previous games, but this one looked different to me in the sense of even though they went behind it wasn't as if Fulham had really gone out and when you've seen them go behind at Southampton there was a in other games there was a different feel it was it was like there was something wrong something missing but it was just this you could see it and I think the players knew it as well and I think it was remind me when reminds me when I was playing is that even though you go behind or something you just feel that oh, you're playing okay, you don't panic, you keep doing what you're doing and you ease your way through it. Yeah. And the old adage is, is that I'm sure that um, Scott Parker wishes that um, Fulham hadn't scored so early. Because yeah. it was an early goal. But then you expect them to go on, they couldn't go on and United slowly built their way in. And to be perfectly honest, I kind of switched off. I mean, mentally switched off when the game was on. Because I... I just knew in my own mind that United were going to come back. It, you know, I, I just, it was just there. The guy, Fulham just weren't going to have enough. They were seriously huffing and puffing, but it wasn't going to happen for them. And for United to win that game, and, and they won it with ease in the end, really. You know, if, if it had been a bigger margin, I think everyone, I think a lot of people have gone, well, yeah, they deserve that. Yeah, Paul Pogba. I mean, the game still has to be won, and Paul Pogba scored an incredible goal to win it. Um, obviously, he's going to be a name that pops up later in this podcast as well. But uh, what did you make of the goal, Paul? It was a tremendous hit, wasn't it? It was. It was an incredible strike, and there's only so few players who can do that. To be honest, really, in the Premier League, who, who could maybe do it on a consistent basis. We see, you see some great goals, where you think to yourself, "Could you do that again? Is that in your locker?" Or, is that, or someone just popped it in there for a quick second, lent it to you, then taking it back. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he can do that. He has that technique, a 
ability, whatever you want to call it, to, to go and do it, to go and try it. And if he thinks it's right, he'll make that decision, he'll try it. And if it doesn't work and it pops along again and it's there and it's a right he'll go and try it again. Yeah. It's a bit it's a bit like Brian McClare in a certain way. Brian McClare was very much like that. If he thinks he's made the right decision but he doesn't get the ex- execution right, he would go and try it again. Much to the annoyance of the boss, by the way, because the boss used to love having a go at Chockey. <laughs> but, but we all knew that he loved Chockey, so I think it was his way of saying, look, you ain't going to get away with everything, but I'm yeah. willing to give him a bit, just to let you know, lads, that I'm not one-sided. But G- Giggsy was the same, wasn't he? That, um, he's not fortunate, I was going to say, but it's a good thing that Giggs was around before everyone was so hypercritical with the statistics and passing stats because Giggs's passing completion wouldn't be that high, but he tried things. He was always trying something different yeah. and then when it worked, it was obviously incredible when it worked. Yeah, that's why I, Wayne, that's why I hate stats because some people don't really watch all of a game or don't really switch on when games are on or don't even go to games. They'll look at the stats and they'll judge your game off the stats. But like you say, you can't you can't read off the stats. You see these stats and I won't say the player's name, but you look at it, you think of our oh, passing completion, 98%. And then first and foremost you look, what kind of passes was he trying? Yeah. And what part of the field was he when he when he was um, making those passes? You know, you look at look at Paul Scholes, another one who went into the dangerous area of the final third and tried to do you know, to get you, you know, passes that gave people opportunities to score goals. He wasn't just keeping it easy, as he could have done, as anybody can do, because stats make a difference. All these people sitting at games with laptops are just doing stats. They're not watching the games. They've got their head down and they're just tapping away. But, um, yeah, it's got, I mean, Scolzi and, like you say, Giggsy, they were. Giggsy was murdered. The boss used to have a, always with Giggsy because he said, you're trying to beat one too many, you're doing this. But, you know, you look at you look at Giggsy's positives and you say to yourself, Christ, there's got to be a bit of negatives because the kid's always got the ball all the time. <laughs> you know, you know, he's always got it. Give, you know, give it to someone else, Ryan. But Ryan wasn't scared to make a mistake. And that's what tells you about, player, about a player. Are they, after making a mistake, how quick are they going to look to get on the ball again and try again? And that's what he does. When you look at... Liverpool, even talk just quickly about Liverpool, they've got a midfield player now called Thiago. He's another one who not who tries to play probing passes. And his completion rate is most probably very good for what he tries to do. Yeah. There isn't many like him at all, really, in, in the Premier League. No, no. Let's, let's talk about Liverpool then, um, because obviously it's a week on from the, the draw at Anfield. Um, definitely a lot more oomph and confidence about United this time around. Um, whether it was the manager and his tactics or maybe it was the players growing in confidence seeing a team that they could get out. The thing is, um, we can see the evolution of this team growing week on week. You know, A year ago, we would have said something like, why does it take until the second half for this team to start playing? In fact, we did say that many times. And we would have also said they look lost without Bruno Fernandes. They don't have any oomph about them. And there was a moment yesterday where we did look a little bit rocky. We started quite well and then they scored and it was like, oh God, what's going to happen here? But the response ball was so good. Pogba, Greenwood and Rashford in particular were outstanding. Luke Shaw, again, almost gets left out of that because he's so good at the moment. But Pogba was brilliant. Greenwood was, he was scaring them down the left, uh, down the right and, and Rashford scaring them down the left. 
I, I, for me, I think the manager gets the credit again in, in the way that the game changed towards the end because he sees the pattern of the game changing, brings off one of the better players in Greenwood to solidify the midfield. And, of course, then Bruno Fernandes comes on and does what he does best, um, scoring that free kick. Um, we'll go through the players in a moment, Paul, but first of all, a great game, an FA Cup game, um, a, a classic, a big performance from United and a big win. The only thing missing from it was uh, an audience to see it, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think there was definitely a TV audience, a, a yeah. big TV audience, and I just don't mean of United fans and Liverpool fans. I think everyone would have watched, wanted to watch that game, to, knowing that it was, it was winner takes all. There was there was no replays, there was nothing there. It was going to get sorted out. They knew that neither team wanted to lose the game. You know, when you when we talk about other cup ties, people go, okay, they ain't going to be bothered about going out because they're they're concerned with this, concerned with that. It didn't make any difference in that game. Neither side wanted to lose because neither side wanted to neither side wanted to face the locals after after losing that that fixture. That's the way it works with that fixture, regardless of whatever. You don't want to lose it because you, if you do lose it, you you want to keep your head down. You don't really want to be sticking your head out. And to be perfectly honest, in the way things are at the moment, if you stick your head out, people will turn around and ask, question you, why aren't you wearing a mask? <laughs> so, so so at the moment, if you like Liverpool, they. they they're all right at the moment because they haven't really got to face anybody because no one's really got anywhere to go. But but you look at the the way I just look at the way that game went and Fernandes was missed as much as anything. You could just see it in the midfield. They just didn't have that fluence and there was no getting it from mid, getting it from the back and then looking for that rangy. Fernandes comes and he looks at that rangy pass first. Yeah. If that isn't on, then he looks for the one into into someone's feet to get it back and then then to play and then to go to the next one. And they didn't have that in midfield, to be perfectly honest. They were definitely missing that. And I think that... And the fact of then when Liverpool get themselves in front, then they got that bit of control. And I think that was that a lot of that control was the fact of they didn't really have that threat of Fernandes to worry about. So it allowed them to go that little bit more and be braver than what they were maybe than what they were at Anfield. And you can still see a difference when he's not when he's not playing. I mean that's you know that that's the thing. Um, but in a certain way, I have to say that the team done okay. As as the team done okay, Eric was always missed. You know, it's when Eric Cantona weren't playing in the game. So what I'm saying isn't nothing against the players out there, but you just notice a player. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You do know when he when he isn't there, how much they miss that little bit that he's got there. But then they get themselves back into it again with a good goal from um, Greenwood, who had been who you could just see was threatening, but still. I still, I still want to see more. Maybe I'm, I'm trying to maybe relate with him too much with Ryan, but I'm just looking. I'm trying to look at the players at the age, and when you look at Ryan at Marcus, at, um, Marcus, not it's not Marcus, is it Mason's yeah. Mason Greenwood's age? Giggsy was ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. Was, but was, but was, he did well, didn't he? I mean, he, oh, he did, yeah, he did well. But I'm just trying to too much, maybe trying to find a comparison. And mm. got to remember, football's different. Ryan was his own entity. Ryan was his own man. Ryan done what Ryan wanted to do. If you wanted to, if Ryan didn't respect you as a, a person, Ryan wouldn't even listen to you. Wouldn't even look at you, in that sense. So he he done what he felt was right. His decision making could be a little bit. 
but he was young and decision making is a massive thing in, in football and in life and it's one of the things that the person has to deal with it themselves. You offer them, you offer it to them, and they just have to pick the right one. And you learn that with experience. I think Mason Greenwood, with that one, that one opportunity when he got to the byline, and he tried to shoot. He was never set to shoot. The way he shot was more like a cross when he was trying to shoot. It could have been a pullback to Van der Beek, which was the obvious one for him to go and do, but he didn't do it when he, he should have when he was trying to shoot. So he's definitely. That's the, that's the sharpest I've seen him in a long, long time, to be perfectly honest. And it was good It was good for Ollie that he was sharp. It was even better for Ollie that Marcus Rashford looked really sharp. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if um, Trent Alexander-Arnold... I, mean, I don't work to say that all, all at the same time. <laughs> there. I normally stutter. But, I mean, I think he showed everybody, and the way he is this season at the moment, is there's a little bit of a hangover with Alexander-Arnold at the moment. Everyone was praising him up as the best fullback ever at Liverpool's best ever fullback. Best, you know, and I kind of think to myself, have you forgotten about Phil Neal? <laughs> you know, have you suddenly forgotten about him? So many caps are England, captain his country on quite a few occasions as well. But anyway, Phil Neal's mostly saying, I should have played in the Premier League and they might remember me. But, um, and all of a sudden we've seen what his biggest issues are. Great that he can cross the ball. Great that he's got this fantastic, he had his fantastic assists. But as I always keep saying, I know he's got a stupid number on his back. Let's put it, let's make it a bit look, a little bit more real. Let's make put number two on it <laughs> so instead of that silly number he's got on the back of it. And the problem is, and the, his strength should be first and foremost defend, and he can't defend positionally. He can't defend. You run at him, he can't defend. And Marcus enjoyed it because he couldn't deal with his, his pace. He couldn't deal with the fact of his movement. The moment he dropped his shoulder or did a, le- a step over, he was gone. There was so much space for him to go into. And, and that's happened on quite a few occasions. When, it, But it was only few and far between last season because players, teams were scared to have a go at Liverpool for some unknown reason. Teams just went, are we going to get beat? Just worry about the next game. Now this season, there's more belief now in people saying they can get something. There was belief with Marcus Rashford. He kept running at him. He kept dropping that bit deeper and going, I'm just going to run run at you from deep and add you dealt like, how can you deal with it? He couldn't deal with it. Yeah. So Marcus Rashford even had one of the, his best game for a while as well. And it's great that he's had a good game in a big game. Yeah. Because that's, that's when you want him. That's when you really need him. And I'm saying that off the way that the boss was. The boss always looked for his big players in the big games. Because as far as he was, he was concerned, if your big players don't turn up to big games, then really in theory, they're not big players and I've wasted a load of money. Nice take on the goal as well. I mean, I, I watched it back, and when I first watched it, I thought, as he goes through, he sort of flicks the ball up, um, and I couldn't tell if that was a bad touch or if he was just—he was getting it under his control. But it looked—it just looked so good. It looked like the kind of thing you expect Harry to do. Uh, ironically enough, the goal um, that Rashford scored was made—it was his 82nd, so it levels him on. Cantona's goals for United um, which is incredible when you think about it I know Rashford's played a little bit um, well is it as long might have played for as long now as, as Eric it, did I'm trying to think Eric left in 97 didn't he so five and, years for, uh, yeah Eric arrived in November 92 so yeah five, yeah five years of Rashford already good grief mm. I didn't think about it like that um, yeah um, 
nice finish. I, I did think that Paul, um, you know, when the, there were moments where obviously um, Liverpool equalised, and then again it looked like they were going to get back into the game, and for a second it looked like it was tipping in their favour. Oli makes the changes, brings off Greenwood, who was playing well, obviously set up the uh, the Rashford goal, um, and you know brings on Fred, brings on Fernandez for Van der Beek, who. Probably the the disappointment of the day was Van der Beek. Sort of struggled, like said. Wayne, yeah, Wayne. Let me just kind of just stop you there. Yeah. I was watching that, and I was disappointed with that substitution. Disappointed. I felt that he he earned the right to actually to, to stay on that park and give him the opportunity to play with Fernandez. Van der Beek, you mean, not Greenwood? Yeah, Van yeah, 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 Van, yeah. Van der Beek. He deserved, in my opinion, with Fernandez and with Pogba. I think. Yeah. I just think I just think Van der Beek works well with Fernandez as well as he works with Mata as well. I just think there's an understanding his movement. Not many people can see it and relate to it, and then deliver with it. Fernandez um, Fernandez can with his movement. He was making so many runs because he's so industrious, so you know unselfish in his runs. And then if he doesn't go his way, he's not one of those players who throws his arms and shows every wants to blame, you know, show people, look, he never gave it to me, I made it. He yeah. then runs back and tries to get the ball back or makes a new position. But he ha- at the moment, I just think he, d- he deserves to play with Fernandes. Yeah. And he doesn't get that opportunity. And I thought that was the moment to do that. That's why I was surprised that he could have left him on and not bring Fred on. Because yeah. they, they still needed to get back in the game. And as much as anything, bringing Fred on, Fred, Fred is not an attacking reason, is he? No, but I, I felt at the moment when he did make the change, I mean, look, we're talking in hindsight with the benefit of hindsight and that United won the game. I, I did think, though, I thought, yeah, you would have liked to have seen Van der Beek play with the better players and sort of see where he fits into that. But in the moment, in the flow of the game, it... it Ollie was probably sensible in the way that he did it. I, I was disappointed to see Greenwood go off because I thought he was having one of his better games as well. And I, I just think because we won, because it sort of settled that sort of that pattern of the game where Liverpool were were coming onto us a little bit more. Obviously, it was impacted by the fact that that we then scored. But we, I, th- I thought we ended that game very well. I'd like we were attacking in injury time. We were attacking, uh, defending from the front. We were pressing them back, which you don't normally see. Well, we haven't seen from this United team for a long time. Um, so I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying in terms of, and we'll talk about Van der Beek in in a little bit um, when we talk about the games that are coming up. But I, I do. I, I see where you're coming from. But I, I do also think that when you're talking about. The, the game as a whole and I'm sure you'll agree with me with this the, the the key thing is the result and in managing the result and the performance and yeah we are looking at it with the benefit of hindsight you've got to say that Oli did the right thing um, in, in terms of getting the win um, yeah I do look at it that way but sometimes it's to actually when I when, to look at it now and talk about it well it ain't people people will come out and say it doesn't you know won the game but I think it's a it's a good time to talk about it, even though yeah, they, yeah. They, they, won the, they won the game and it was you know but it was a free kick it wasn't a, in open play it was just it was a free kick in the end that done that I, you can talk about substitutions and whatever but I just look at it that way on an attacking point of view I look at I look at Vanderbilt. I want him to be given an opportunity to prove his worth, to prove what he can do. And I just don't think he's been 
utilised in in that way to be perfect. So I still think in that midfield there's still an opportunity to integrate him in there and for him to become you know to become a key player for United. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're right again going back to that sort of idea of him playing with the better players and not just necessarily being part of that second string. The best way that you're going to see how we fits into a starting team for United is to give him the chance with those players. Um Let's talk about some of them, Paul. Uh, away from Van der Beek again, as I said, he'll come on to yeah. him again in a moment. But Luke Shaw, again magnificent. McTominay, Fred Lindelof, all of these players. We, are, I mean, look, we can talk about both sides of this because we've seen big improvements in all of those players. And that is a huge credit to Olive in, in my mind because... I do feel in one in one respect it's confirmation that these players had this within them the entire time because it's not like there's been anything miraculous or revolutionary at the football club. The conditions have been the same. Oli has shown more of a personal touch with these players and you can definitely say that adds 10%. But some of these players, we're talking like 20 or 30% improvement. And I think that's why I have a little bit of a reservation that this run is temporary and what we used to see might come back. I still worry that we put faith in these three key areas, which is centre-back, defensive midfield and, and the right-hand side, that this might come back and, and bite us. It's likelier to do that than it is to get us all the way there to, to winning a trophy. Um, but I think the reason for the improvement is because Ollie's done such a good job. You know, we're so familiar with seeing what these players do and, and what the usual form is. So you've got to sort of give a lot of credit to the manager because of the improvement. But I don't like talking about those reservations when I do want to be praising. I, the point I am trying to make is that we we've both expressed our reservations about McTominay and Lindelof in particular being in a United team that can win things. But Oli has shown patience, has worked to treat with some of them, and the competition for places has fine-tuned some of the players' concentration, like Shaw and Lindelof, in a big way. Um, and yesterday, Paul, um, we, there's no point talking about what could happen in three or four months or, or saying all the things we've already said about McTominay and Lindelof, but games like yesterday, and you see what they can do, it's a huge step in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, I think you have to look at it at this moment in time and where football is and say that United are doing very, very well. <clears throat> you can only do play play against who's in front. You can only play in the circumstances that are around you as well. And United have combated that, combated that very, very well compared to um, other sides who have really struggled. Some have struggled seriously the way football is at the moment. Some individuals are really struggling because of, of it, while certain teams... Have struggled with it and are struggling with it. Ollie seems to have the players right in their heads, in that sense, in the way they're going about their job. I think, um, I mean, I remember Roy, Roy made a statement and Roy turned around and talked about the pre- these present players and what he's got and everything. And he, he praised them after one of the games, but he did say that they <clears throat> they will let you down again. I think. And I think everyone everyone agree with that because of previous previous managers. And I look at it, and Ollie's come in, and Ollie's got more out of them over a longer, you know, a longer longer time as well. More consistent um, consistency from them. Individuals have improved, 
as players and maybe as people. But I think the biggest thing that has helped him along the way, and again, you can you, you don't want to give someone too much because you worry that you know if it comes back and bites, or you worry that it all goes wrong, is um. It's Fernandez. I think he's helped him with the players, and it's not that he's maybe been standing on the soapbox and preaching. They've seen him, and all of a sudden, they've had someone to jump off the back of, some or jump on the back on to someone like him, and thinking, "Look what he's doing. That we've got to get in this. Otherwise, it's the pe- we're going to be questioned as individuals because look what he's doing. Look at the yardage he's putting in, and you know, it doesn't matter what you do, if you know, you can train and train and train for a marathon." If it's something in your head tells you, you you don't really want to do it, you're not going to do it. It doesn't matter how how ready your your body is. If you don't really want, if if your mindset is, I can't do this, you'll stop short. And I think there was a lot of players who were doing that. And all of a sudden now, they've seen this and they've kind of, and they're pushing themselves on to do that bit more. It's not people come out and say, oh, they've got fitter, they've got fitter. No, it's because their mindset has changed. They've suddenly realised and looked at themselves in the mirror and asked themselves questions about what they were doing, why are they doing that? And they've pushed themselves that little bit more, the winning of the games. And all of a sudden, you get to a position where you go, wow, which is top of the league. And that adds a bit. That, that you walk out, you know, maybe an inch taller yeah. and everything. That's why it was always good for me to be that way because I, I, everyone was getting an inch taller. I was trying to steal two. <laughs> But um, yeah. but everybody but but that's that's the that's the effect that he's had, and it's taken them on to where they are. It's get in the position that Ollie in now, even though it's a tough position to be in top of the league because everyone's looking for you to fall so that can, they can make a story of that. It, in a certain way, it makes his job easier with those players because those players' egos want to stay there. They want to um, they want to win. A, you know. A, a title, win a Premier League title, because they know what it means to them as as individuals. What it means to them to win a to win a Premier League title as as a Manchester United player. Yes. You know, some of them some of them haven't won a league title before, but if they do go and win it, the ones who haven't won a, a Premier League title, and then and if any of them have won it anywhere else, they'll find a big big difference in winning it for Manchester United. What it what it actually means to the club, and I really hope. But if it does happen, is that all of a sudden we the involvement and what goes on makes a you know there's something happens upstairs and they relate to it in the same fashions as what the players are at this moment in time who are pushing hard to get there because Wayne and you notice know yourself this is this is a surprise to everybody at this moment in time and everybody should be just enjoying the moment. Not not getting silly and jumping up and down and start sh- shouting the odds and whatever. It's at the moment in time is enjoy the moment and hopefully if the players are playing with a smile in their face, that will take them that little bit further as well, rather than clinch fist and gritting teeth and being scared. Yeah. If you're relaxed, it will make it a lot easier. Um, a couple of games in the league this week that um obviously going to be massive in terms of because I mean we're talking I think we're almost talking points rather than opponents really you know because it's another three points it's another three points kind of thing um, and the first game is going to be Sheffield United this midweek um, confidence for the Blades at the moment they, they won their first league game a couple of weeks ago against Newcastle they're doing well in the FA Cup I still think Paul you look at this game and you've got Arsenal coming up for the weekend and you look at Sheffield United and probably say Give Van der Beek another chance. 
put Fernandez on the bench again, start Greenwood again to give him a chance to build some momentum. Uh, what, what would you say about that? I still want, I mean, I said it earlier, I want Van der Beek to play with Fernandez. Mm. I really do. I think, you can, I, think you get more, I think you get more out of him. I really, really do. You look at Pogba, look how much you got more out of him now playing with Fernandez. You know, there's, 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 you know, he 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 seems to, players want to play with him. They they appreciate him. They respect him, and he can he can. I just think it makes a difference because you all say you put, you know, you'd have put say any any pro. You put him well, a reserve team. You put a good. You put a pro, a top, an experienced player, a player who's done things in the game. He comes to your club. He done things. Can't get in the team, and then on Tuesday night. He's got to go down to Gig Lane and play with the reserves, with all younger players. And as much as he's not going to let himself down, you're not going to get the best from him because it's about the players around him. Yes, you expect him as an individual show bit, but he still needs that bit around him. Mm. I think for, I think he needs that Van der Beek. I think he needs that lift. You look at him and I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing a glow. I'm seeing somebody who is a bit like Fred under Mourinho. Yeah, no, maybe that's a, maybe a little bit home. Just thinking sort of, oh, especially with what's going on at this moment as well. Can't even can't even have friends and family bring people across. Just to, you know, it's only a, it's only just a, a short a short way for him, for people to come and see him. All the all the family and friends over over the water, but they can't. He can't even do that. So he's so unless he's you know he's he's got um, his girlfriend. His girlfriend unless she's with him. He's, he's struggling at this moment in time. Most people, everyone's got their own struggles at the moment with what's going on. But him, at this moment in time, it's mostly a little bit worse than anybody else because as well, he's not really involved in a football. He's, he's away from it. He doesn't, he doesn't feel great running. It's a, not a good position to be in at this moment in time, especially when a team are winning games. They're sitting at top of the league. They've just... They've drawn at Anfield. They've beaten Liverpool at Old Trafford. As much as he wants to get involved in it, he doesn't really feel a part of it because he doesn't mostly believe that he's he's put his two pennies worth in at the moment in time. He hasn't been given the opportunity to prove a point, and that means it's to get a run. You can't because the moment you come in as an individual, you're kind of going, "I've got to do it. Oh, I've got to do. It. I've got to prove my case," and then. For people watching, they're going, well, go on then, you've got your chance. Oh, it hasn't worked out now, you're not good enough. It's very difficult just to suddenly, when your engine's been sitting cold for quite a while, and then come out and then give a great performance straight away. Very difficult because you're going to splutter a little bit. It's going to take you a while to get your eye in, to get to a pace. Training, that training doesn't get you anywhere near 90 minutes of football. doesn't make any... Very, very difficult, so... I'm feeling quite sorry for him in this moment in time, like I did for Fred. I felt sorry for Fred because every time he went in, he was chasing it because his enthusiasm, everything about him. Now he has really transformed himself because people are seeing now, Fred, what he's about. It wasn't, it wasn't given that opportunity before. Very Mostly very, very lonely as well. Not playing, felt like a spare leg. And all of a sudden now he's involved and now and he, you've seen a different person, more confident, everything about him. Van der Beek is in that situation and he needs that at the moment. And I just, I don't know, maybe Ollie's experience this moment is maybe not noticing that. I'm, I'm, I'm presuming that Mickey Phelan is. I'm sure that Mickey Phelan must know it. He's, he worked around the boss for a long period of time as well to maybe to re- relate to it, but... You, I just worries me they're going to lose a good player 
before he's even had an opportunity, given an opportunity to prove himself. Yeah, it's an interesting one. You look at the league, I was just looking through the fixtures, and there's only really one game this season where we've been comfortable, and that was the Leeds game. Every other game, it's been a slog. You know, the, the result's been tight. It's either been a you know, single goal or just, you know, we've had to score a couple of goals late on, like at West Ham and against um, Everton and also Newcastle. You know, so we've... That's been where the gaps in the results have come from. So would it? Would you say start with Fernandez and Van der Beek, and then if you've got to rest Fernandez, you know, take him off on an hour or something like that? <clears throat> Absolutely perfect for me. Yeah. Still, you still got to respect Sheffield United. You got to respect what they've done last season and everything about them. You know, they're going to have a, a work ethic. They're, they're honest. They're honest. I think they've proven that to everybody. So I think, yeah, I personally think so. Start. As best you can with your better players on the park. Don't go out there chasing it all the time. It doesn't always work because you're asking people to push on harder because you're chasing the game. But maybe go and do it. I don't think he will. I'd, I'd be interested. I don't think Van der Beek will start. Hmm. I don't think he's will because I think he may be judging him off of what he saw. Maybe you've had your chance and you haven't done it. But I hope not. But I just I'd like well, Ollie's to see him. generally more patient, isn't he? Ollie, and that's something that both you and I have sort of said when we would have made changes before. Ollie's tended to sort of look the other way and say, "No, I'll just give him another game." So maybe he will. Maybe he'll give him another chance. I'd like to think he will. Um, yeah, I hope so. Just to play two two on the bounce, to then to play, and he knows himself. He didn't do himself justice, and then the next game comes around. It's Sheffield United. You know they're struggling in the league. And you think to yourself, right, okay. And he's mostly telling himself, oh, I ain't going to start. And then he doesn't start. Then he thinks, right, if I'm, if I'm playing that one, I haven't done it well, then there's a, a, a team at the moment who are struggling and I can't start in that one. Yeah. What, am I, what, you know, what am I doing here? You know, I've left Ajax to come here. I was a regular. I'm a regular for my national team. What am I doing here? Because not playing regularly for Manchester United at this moment in time, you know, when the internationals come round, he might not start the next international. Yeah. Holland, Holland are quite, you know, they're honest a bit. If you're not playing regularly for your club, the inclusion in your national team doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, after Sheffield United, it's going to be Arsenal. They've had an upturn recently in the league after um, after a difficult time when it looked like Arteta might be sacked. Um, before um, they had the poor performance in the FA Cup at the weekend against Southampton, but that was one where Arteta seemed to be um, rotating to concentrate on climbing in the league. Um, so it feels like it's a bad time to go to Arsenal, but in a, in a way, because they they are coming back into form, it is a strong test of where United are at, at the um, at the moment. And I, yes, you'd, you'd like to play a team in um, in bad form and, and sort of take advantage of that. But it's like what you were saying about Sheffield United about an honest league. At least we'll have a better idea because Arsenal are playing a bit better. It's a good test for United, isn't it? Yeah, Arteta. Um... He, he's, you know, you, you put him in a boat in a certain way, under, like Ollie, he's under pressure in that way, but nowhere is it is as intense with the media as well, it, as well it is with Ollie. Arteta just is, you know, they don't really go that heavy on him as what they, was, as what they will with, with Ollie. If Ollie loses a game, I'm sh- quite sure that the press are going to go at him as if he's suddenly gone to the bottom of the league. But um, Arteta has had a lot of stick. He changed it around, but I think he made a, a big mistake at the weekend. He, he should have gone out there and he should have tried to, 
to keep him in the FA Cup. He should have gone out there. His young players have made a difference because they're enthusiastic, they're honest, they, you know, they want to prove a point. They can't believe their luck as young players that they're playing in the first team. And he leaves them out. He leaves a few out. He leaves the key ones that have got him over the line, kept him in his job maybe, and he leaves them out to give the ones before a little bit of a run out and they've let him down. You can say, oh, well, they lost to a Premier League side. But they won the FA Cup last season and deservedly so, the way they went at the semi-final and then the final. They were they were brilliant in the final. Yeah. Arsenal after a slow start <clears throat> when I thought Liminell Chelsea are gonna walk this and they just went bang and the game flipped and they was in charge of it from that moment on. You know, 15, 20 minutes they was in charge. Charity Shield as well, they'd done it. <clears throat> they, they were, you know, very competitive in that, and you thought, right. Arteta's made a massive change bang it all goes wrong and then I just think he's made when you get that kind of momentum players players want to play and I think you've got to keep it going especially when you look what you've got in front of you and you when you look and, you, and all of a sudden you've got Manchester United coming up you want momentum so he's you know you think to yourself right his next game is really really seriously important you know it's, he, he he's got to get everything right again so when United got Highbury, I honestly hope they'll be better there than what they were last season, because yeah. they wasn't they wasn't good there last season. And they was on a on a good run then United as well when they went there. Yeah, I was actually there, and I was like, you know, I just saw it coming again. It was a free at the back. I thought, great, you know, this worked away everything. Cool, it was no, it was it just didn't go right. Nothing went right for United that evening. So hopefully there'll be a vast improvement on that. So it's, a, it's going to be a big game for Oli and a big game for Arteta. Arteta can't afford to lose the game. And I think Oli to go there and to beat Arsenal at the Emirates, I think it's, I think it's a massive one to win. Because people will then start asking, who is actually going to make the difference here? Who is going to stop Manchester United at this moment in time? It's, only going, it's going to be February. Is that right? It's going to be February, or is it not? No, it's not. It's still the end of January, isn't it, when the game is... <clears throat> That's right, yeah. I'm yeah. losing track of time. But people go, it's only January, doesn't make a difference. But I just think the way this league is and what's going on, I think it makes a big, big difference. Big, yeah. big difference. No, it definitely does. I'll talk about that in a moment. I just glossed over... Um, <laughs> I can't believe I glossed over it. Paul Pogba, we've got to talk about Paul Pogba. I mean... Before we, we talk about the... Do you the, think we should do? Do you think we should just leave it in case it comes back and punches us in the face? <laughs> yeah, so let me just... I'll put my notes on record then while I put... Right, okay. But I'll, I'll do that and then we'll move on. So, obviously, there were probably about a year ago, a lot of our podcasts were dominated with talking about him. And then Raiola said what he did before Christmas, and that was like... We talked about that on the, the pod, and we sort of said, oh... He's probably going to go, let's get it sorted as quickly as possible and move on from this and get Raiola out of the club. And then this last month, we've seen something extraordinary. His goal at Fulham was fantastic. His performance yesterday in a deep-lying midfield two before he was moved further forward. I don't know what to make of this. The Paul Pogba of the last four weeks has been the one that we've wanted for four years. And, yeah, you're probably right. Let's not get 
carried away into saying something, but he's been so good that I'm feeling as I'm like, I'm tempted to say, build the team around him again. I'm getting stuck. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm getting sucked into it. You know, like give him a new deal and everything because he's been that good. Um, yesterday, when he, you know, he, uh, and this is the problem, isn't it? He played in the midfield too, and after the first 20 minutes, as soon as he won that tackle to start the move for the equaliser, it was like, bang. This is the pop up we've been wanting to see. He played really well from that point, and it's like, yeah, he's just—I don't know. But yeah, let's not let's not get carried away. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, so things are opening up in the league. You talked about January. I think February is the key one here. So City have got to play Liverpool, Spurs, and Arsenal before the end of February. Liverpool have got Spurs, a resurgent West Ham, and Man City. Um, Spurs have got the pair of Liverpool and City. I'm not saying our games are easy, but Arsenal looks like the toughest on paper until the end of February. We know from that run of fixtures, teams have got to drop points. If United can get through to the end of February, Paul, with mostly wins, I think that's the point where I can start to say, yep, we were in a title challenge here. I think it really... You mentioned it earlier about feeling a little bit taller. I think it could be the making of this United team if they suddenly have an advantage to keep hold of on a week-to-week basis. Because it does start to feel like some players are starting to play up for the... playing for the club instead of being burdened by it. Um... I read one writer, um, I, I haven't read that much over the last 24 hours, but I did read one writer say that Sunday's game against Liverpool showed United are still not good enough not to fall behind in a game, which I thought well, that's a very hypercritical assessment because if you're going to use that as a barometer of where United are, Liverpool fell behind twice to us and even Manchester City fell behind to Cheltenham. Um, it, it doesn't look like now Paul um, that we're going to sign anyone do you think with that in mind Oli is actually best served now and I, I know we've said this month alone you know like oh you're putting faith in Eric Bay and he might break down or you're putting faith in a good run of form from Pogba and that might not turn out but do you think that maybe considering the fact that we are overachieving at the moment and that you know hopefully you know Touchwood will qualify for the Champions League and that should have been the objective for this season do you think that maybe Oli is best served now looking for either another player to bring in and capitalise on this or giving this squad their last chance and sort of say look this is the chance this is the best form you've had for years this is the best some of you have ever played at United and at the end of the season we'll know how good that is albeit in a poor league but we'll still have a good idea of how good this United side is do you think that based on the fact that Ollie's um, one of the biggest positives of Ollie's reign has been the patience that he's shown to players that it almost stands him in better stead if we don't sign anyone and we go with this squad until the end of the season yeah he's damned if he does he's damned if he doesn't isn't it? it's one of them people might turn around and throw that in his face if he doesn't work out mm. it's a difficult one because of um just for the fact of you look where you are and you think to yourself is there something that could get me over the line I think if they if he is going to go and make a signing, if United are going to make a signing, it has to be a player who's going to come in and take the place of somebody maybe who's been playing a bit regularly. Someone who's better, a bigger player than what you've got. Someone who might be that match winner. Someone who might keep who might keep you in a game. If he can, that's it. That's what you got. That's what you. That's what you got to look at. Someone that when he when you sign him, even the players go, "Wow, that means that we're seriously, we seriously mean something now." Mm-hmm. The people upstairs are suddenly understanding what football's about now. They want to 
invest in the football, they're actually realising that it's not about taking money away from the club. It's actually investing in, in what's the most important part, what's on the field. And but on the other side of it, Ollie might think he might show sentiment, loyalty, and say, "Well, they've got me to where I am. I'm going to stick with them because if I bring someone in, that could affect a few of them, and it might end up costing me. And you know, and I've got to live with the fact that I brought in one player, and it's cost me something. So it's a, is it a stick or twist? It's a, it's, and that's why many people can't be managers. Are not very good managers, and that's why some people don't want to be managers because they don't want to have to make those big decisions. It's a really, really thin line that is to which way you should go. But I think he's looking at it and he's stuck by people. But we've already seen the difference that Fernandes has made to a few individuals. Signing of players has made. We look at Luke Shaw, the signing of another left-back difference that, that's made. And that, pers- that player does give United a different shape because... Their left foot does different different things than what Luke Shaw's one does. Yeah. And then you look at Fernandes and you've already seen the difference he's made to Paul Pogba. He's kind, he's made, he's kind of affected his, his ego about maybe not being, not being the top man in town anymore. So he wants to prove a point. And he is now doing different jobs, maybe which he was trying to do before, but didn't have the same zest about it. He sees someone on the pitch, he thinks to himself, do you know what? I'm, I'm as good as you and go to compete against him in that sense of saying I want oh, I'm going to prove to everybody that I'm better than you and he's got a lot out of him he wasn't playing Fernandes Paul Pogba dug deep dug deep and, and dug you know wasn't doing the stuff he was trying to do before he'd become a different kind of midfield player and it paid off and he got better and better as the game went on so <clears throat> long may it continue so I wouldn't want to be Ollie at this moment in time, but it's a great position to be in the club. And for Ollie, he's still learning at the moment in time. And I'm quite sure that he's speaking to the boss and talking to him about this time, about his situations of being in this, you know, the times he's been in this situation when it hasn't gone well. What's, what's, you know, when things are going, what happens? What should you do? What shouldn't you do? You know, and obviously the boss will maybe talk about 91, 92, <clears throat> how things work, you know, in that situation when we was pushing around that point so we'll we'll have to wait and see but I think you have to commend him for because he's taken Manchester United to a position where there's a lot of people which are so upset at this moment in time yeah Um, talk about reminiscing Paul Mm. 26 years ago today Eric Cantona introduced himself to Matthew Simmons in the terraces at Crystal Palace um, 26 years ago um, bloody hell I didn't, I didn't even know that yeah today saying that I haven't, I haven't even looked at Twitter or anything today because I'm quite sure it's, it's, it's on that yeah <laughs> yeah well I, I've been posting about it as <laughs> you can expect that I would yeah. um, what are your memories of, of that incident Eric doing what he did um, it's funny when I've gone back and talked to different people and knowing like so many of the, the players from that time and you talk to them and I think yourself included <clears throat> So many of them had, you know, it's such a shocking incident in English football history, but because of the sort of grief that United have been getting for like a, probably about a year before that, 
um, there was such a volatile atmosphere. Like every time anyone did anything remotely wrong, or like you know, a player getting a red card, it was treated like it was a national incident for United. And oh, it was. <clears throat> there were so many times with that. There was at the Emirates, off, at the, em- the Emirates, sorry, at Highbury. Yeah. And there was it was an incident and night with Nigel Winterburn and. I'm trying to think what happened there with you know it was just in people just made it so volatile it was Swindon we went to Swindon yeah. with John Moncur yeah. John Moncur with Eric and to be honest we, we after that game we had to get straight on the coach honestly I think every village in Wiltshire was out there <laughs> was out there trying to, honestly they would they would have killed us some it was incredible it was people talk about Anfield going to Anfield I'll tell you what that moment in time I would have taken Anfield before <laughs> Only because I knew what what might what could happen. What I've been through it before. That was totally unexpected. You know, there was more. Swindon never had so many. There's more people around that coach, and norm, they normally got in for matches. Yeah. It was incredible, and that was around Eric. That was around Manchester United, and you know what went on. Everything was enlarged because it was Eric involved, and and to be perfectly honest, seeing some of the things that have gone on in life and in foot in, in football, whatever. Eric, when you look at what's how people are looking at things now and everyone's talking about diversity and all that, let's go, everything. What Eric done, there would have been a lot of people who would love to have done that. I, I would have loved to have done that when I, would, you know, when I was playing in the early part of my career. The difference is that Eric had one person directly who was brave or stupid, wanted to come and actually do it to him in his, in his face. I just had terraces full of them, and I couldn't. I couldn't make one do yeah, one kung fu kick. Yeah, I couldn't. You know, do one kung fu kick. By the time I decided to do the other, I'd have had my head trodden on two thousand times. So, but Eric Dumb, it was there. The person's come down. He wasn't. He wasn't happy with it. He'd done what he'd done, and but to go in the dressing room, and then we're sitting there, and the bosses, the bosses doing his walking around, and. He's coming out saying the things that have gone wrong and and then he turns around and he says to Eric and just says, Eric, you just can't do things like that. <laughs> and then and you and we all look at each other and you could see people smiling and no one just wanted to laugh. All you see is just shoulders go and even the boss got a smile in his face, you know, just trying not to smile, trying to be serious, but you know, he I think he knew himself. You know, he could maybe relax that, but he knew the moment he left that changing room that it was going to get more and more intense after that, you know, that situation. But that was all started in Richard Shaw. Richard Shaw forced that situation. He made it worse than what it really was. And more, you know, the whole thing's so contentious, you know. But I think, I don't know what they would do now if a player was to do that. I think there might be a different... (laughs) I think there might be... Not everyone would start feeling sorry for the player if yeah. someone actually come and, and abuse them about where they're from or whatever. That's the that's the difference now in today's world. The player mostly, you be you know you can't go and do something like that to somebody. But I'm sure the player would be treated a bit differently because of what's got, because of the way things are now. Yeah, it's funny. I talked to Richard Shaw for the book, and he said um, he said. He, he didn't think that his fouls on Cantona were that bad. He didn't think that his attention was that bad. But he actually said that he didn't want Cantona to be banned, you know, because he he loved watching Cantona play and he loved playing against him. And he said it was, he was like he's actually hoping that he wouldn't get banned for it. Um, 
Just, I think I think he, I think he said that only because he he, he must have had a trip to Manchester coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have done because he's obviously Richard shows uh, infamously. Um, the youth team coach of Aaron Wambasaka, so maybe he's wanting to keep in his good books so he can um, <laughs> have regular trips to United. Um, but yeah, one of the best things about that is the way that you all, as players, rallied round Eric. Do you know what I mean? At a time when he could have been ostracised, when English football wanted to ostracise him, and you just all carried on treating him like he, he was the main. He's not playing, but he was still training at the club, wasn't he, for a little bit? Yeah, uh, yeah, but that would, but that was more down to him. Why? And it was easy, given what had gone on. He could have done whatever he wanted, and the boss would have accepted it because the boss, <clears throat> like us, we didn't, we didn't suddenly want him to disappear, and. He, you know, he made he made his own, you know, he set his own stall out really, and what he was going to do, and that was to train, and to be perfectly honest, and when he had to do in his community service, and it's an easy thing to do when someone says, "Oh, turn up and coach kids," you turn up, <clears throat> you stand around, you chat the kid that they see you, you're around, and you might just go across and kick a ball, but that's your part. You've taken you've taken part, but then you, but Eric wasn't like that. Those kids are outside. We finished training. They was outside the gates at the cliff. They'd all come in, and straight away Eric joined in with them. Yeah. He was with them, and he and he he had a he had a massive involvement. You know, the coaches were there to do stuff, but Eric was with the coaches. He, you know, in that sense, he was working with them, and he really put everything into it. What he done, it was absolutely, you know, it was it was, in, it was incredible. And even some of us, we'd, we'd finish training. You know, Eric would finish training, and then he'd go and do his bit. We'd go and sit upstairs in the um in the eating area at the cliff at, and we'd watch out the window for a little while we, we wouldn't rush off we would watch because he was you know the way he was doing it so you know there was you know there was a lot more to Eric than just being a great player he was he was a great person as well you know they're the bits that people don't really talk about they talk about Eric as a footballer but everyone has their story to tell about some of the things that Eric done but when you see that side of it from that, when he was doing that community service it was it was absolutely incredible how much he put into that. Yeah, um, master stroke from Fergie to keep him on board, and, and then obviously his season after that, um, arguably the most influential any single player has had on a, any title race. Um, and obviously, it goes without saying, um, one of my favourite ever players, probably my favourite ever player, Eric Cantona, absolutely adored him. Um, brilliant and it'll I mean that that entire the thing about Canada is he was like a walking play or a walking movie wasn't he so um the the kind of story arc that started with Sellers and ended with Wembley um with um, scoring that goal against Liverpool which was on my birthday as well which was a a nice little boost for that day um just a little note to close the podcast out Paul um, while we're talking about an influential player on a title race 10 years ago um one player was influential on the title race was Wayne Rooney who, who recently um, announced his retirement from playing um, obviously Ro- I'm talking the 2010-11 season where Rooney came back from his transfer request and wasn't quite as influential as Cantona I was looking through the figures there were a couple of games what he decided famously the um, the games against Man City where he scored the overhead kick and then uh, West Ham where he scored a hat-trick when United were two, two goals down Um but not not quite as influential as Cantona in in '96, but still influential nonetheless. And you know, Rooney's one of these players that divides a lot of opinion, um, Paul. And 
his time at United came just before we started our podcast, so he's not a player that we've talked about quite a lot. Um, I'd love to get your opinion on him. Uh, you know, he ended the, his career as United's record goal scorer and England's record goal scorer. There's still some people thinking that he didn't um, meet his potential. I think sometimes people look at how highly he was rated before he broke through. He was one of those rare players that people were talking about before they even made the debut. Um, I look at it a different way. I think you know he won all those trophies. He achieved what you know no other player has achieved in in United history by surpassing Sir Bobby Charlton. Um, you're a divisive player, but you've got to say that he go down goes down as a legend. And I, as far as I'm concerned, he did fulfil his potential. Um, what, was it, what did you make of Rooney? Um, I liked him. I, I did like him as a player. A bit disappointed the issue that he had with the boss over yeah. a contract. More disappointed that David Moyes. I think David Moyes made a massive mistake by allowing him to have a, get a new contract and the, and the money. The money that you know, the alleged wages that he was earning. Yeah, I think that's um, probably you could look at that as the start of that big yeah. money problem that you had about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just I thought it was silly for David for David Moyes to to do that, especially because it, it, it caused unrest in the dressing room, and I think it was more a lot of it was down to the fact of the boss knew how to work with him, and and that was to keep and that was to keep him hungry. Yeah, that that was the thing about it. You kept. You kept him hungry, and um, and you didn't give him everything, and that was the problem. He, he, in the moment, David Moyes done what he done, thinking right, he's got him up. He's Wayne Rooney's on side. That you know, the, the top the player. That, that, you know, there we are. That's my job. Easy. Everything will fall into place. Manchester United lost lost Wayne Rooney. weren't getting the best out of him. <clears throat> I think the moment Wayne started to drop into midfield. That's where I think he he lost his way. He just wasn't going to have that influence anymore. You you talked about him pinging balls about all over the place. Well, one of the things I always said that the days of people pinging balls across all over midfield went when Glenn Hoddle retired. Yeah. That castle of tops of tops top sides football anymore. It was getting getting in close. Peak players getting in close together and intricate passing movement off of it. It wasn't just about knocking seventy yard balls everywhere. They work, but you needed that little bit more. Um, but when, when you look at the goals he scored, but it wasn't just about the goals he scored. It was his football ability, his natural, natural football ability. The hunger that he had as a player to want to do well. That, you know, he was a street fighter. Yeah. He, was, he was a street fighter who was playing football and he needed to, be, he needed to calm, be calmed down and disciplined. And I think he got that by coming to Manchester United and playing under Sir Alex, and um, and that's what he and that's what he and that's where he got it from. If he had stayed at Everton too long, all that could have been lost. Yeah, it could have been lost. And we've seen a lot of young, good young players come through at Everton, and everyone talks about them, but all of a sudden they stop talking about those players. Wayne Rooney caused a big storm by leaving Everton to come to Manchester United. And what a, you know, it was a incred- what an incredible decision to make to come to Manchester United because it made him yeah. as good as he was at Everton. It made him Sir Alex made him because, like I mentioned earlier, he got he got the discipline. Yes, there was always going to be an edge. All the best players, best players, world class players. There's an edge because you're not that good if you don't have an edge. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You know, all the, the great all the great players over the years, <clears throat> decades. They all didn't go homes, go go back 
to a library and sit in the library and read books until they were training or playing games. They had an edge to them. So they, they had those little moments, those little m- moments, that red miss moment. And I remember I was at the game, was it against Newcastle, when he's having that bust up with a referee. Yeah. And then he did, and, and all of a sudden then he just runs off the, he virtually like says something to the referees, he runs off and you think, so, oh God, this is going to go, what's going to go on here now? And he goes, bang, yeah. bang at the Stretford end. And I'm there, I, I'm, I'm at that game and it was just, it was one of those wow moments because I'm thinking, and I wanted to tell everyone around me, but did you see what he was doing before that? Yeah. And, but, but no one, no, a lot of people didn't actually see that. And that's still a moment. They still show that one. And, you know, then I was fortunate enough to be there for the um, Champions League game against Felibarchi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was there for that, you know, and I saw an, in, an incredible player. An absolute incredible player. I, I, we were there for for those games and the City one as well. I, I tell you, um, while we're talking about them, the, the, the Fenerbahce one. I remember coming away from that one thinking, because I, I went with my brother, and I remember saying to him um, as we're walking from the ground, you know, we've just witnessed something in history there. Um, you know, at the time because it's a hat trick on his debut, and he, he just signed for all that money, and he'd come off the back of the tournament. You're thinking that you might be watching one of the best players that ever played. You know what I mean? You might have seen the start of that. Um, I still, we still did watch history. It was still a you know a historic moment because that was the first goals of the um, the player who went on to score more goals for United than any other player. Um, but you're right against um, against Newcastle. I was in the North Stand that day. <laughs> And this is the days before. Not too high up, I hope. No, we were. Um, one of my mates had got the directors. Uh, we got something in the directors, so we had really good seats in the middle. Yeah. Um. So we were there, and this is like so. This is two thousand five. This is a few years before smartphones and before all the different camera angles. So you've got the normal camera angles from the other side of the ground, and there's something that was really special about that was that. Um, when I've never seen it from that angle ever again, but you know, but it's one of those goals, isn't it? That he, he, like you said, just before he's he's arguing, and then the second after that, he's scoring this goal, and it's like so surreal unfolding in front of your eyes that almost like the first thing you want to do is run into the concourse to watch it again. Do you mm. know what I mean? It was yeah. that good. And um, a few years later, we were in um, we were in um, the we were in the East Stand for the. Um, for the city goal, and that was just after smartphones and just after different camera angles. And I think they actually, I think MUTV got an angle of it from behind that goal. Um, you know where he's just, where he's in the air. It's almost like suspended animation where he's in the air, and I can still see him there thinking, "There's no way he's just tried to do that," and he did. Um, yeah, and I think that's the Rooney that I'd like to remember. You know, those first sort of five or six years where he was just doing things that you just couldn't believe. Um, it drew comparisons with players like Cantona, didn't it? I mean, it's, I, I'm, obviously now looking at the impact that Cantona had, now we can look at their careers in full um, and compare them against each other. Rooney accomplished things that Cantona didn't accomplish. I'd still have Cantona as the the better and more influential player, but um, yeah, I, I th- sort of agree with you. There, there are some elements that sort of taint Rooney's reign, but that's because of the the arguments that he had with uh, Fergie. And I, perhaps I think you're absolutely on the money with what happened with Moyes and um, the the contract there. It sort of that, that wasn't Rooney's fault. It was more the club sort of being desperate to not, 
look like oh, they were in a position. It's, it's, it's no one's fault, Wayne, when people want to give you a pile of money. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not the player's fault because you'd be foolish to say no in certain 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 respects, really, to say no to it without a really serious good or bad, you know, <clears throat> good or bad reason to, but... For for when you should you should know a player and know what they're like as an individual and and you and which the boss did the boss knew every single player how he he knew how to get the best from them, um, but that was a poor decision there by David Moyes. I don't know whether or not that was the fact of to to build you know to build fences after because of maybe the way things finished at Everton for him. I don't know what what happened there. Is there something there that was going on? But it was the it was the wrong decision to go and do that because, the you know, in the end the tiger wasn't that hungry anymore. Yeah. It had lost the tiger had lost that edge, you know. The tiger wasn't getting a raw piece of meat, mate. You know, once a week, you know, it was it was getting a, a well cooked fillet in the end. So <laughs> that's a good one. Um, close off favorite Rooney goal, Paul. Oh, but you're asking me that now. I'm not that kind of person. That's the kind of thing you should be asking a football fan, a big man, a Manchester United fan about that. He scored too many for me to okay. remember. I'll, I'll go then. I'll go with the. Um, I'll go with a City one. I'm tempted to go to Newcastle because it was so good. But um, nah, there were some good ones in there, even after Moyes as well. Um, yeah. The goal that got the record against Stoke was a good free kick as well. But yeah, he's um, you know he's a. A great player, and I think we'd be happy with a Rooney in the side today. Um, up front, not in midfield. Um, mm. yeah. But just on the back of it, just before you go, just to say, he, the one thing he did do, and he's been listening to maybe to somebody, it's good that he stopped playing and tried, didn't have any, didn't think about becoming a player manager. He didn't let his ego rule his head yeah. and wanted to play as well. So he's taken that, he's distanced himself from the players and up just as a manager now, rather than being a player manager, which is a hard job. Unless, you, unless you're Kenny Dalglish and you, you had all that, you know, all that backroom staff around you to help yeah. with all the way through. But that, that's not going to happen anymore, someone being a player manager. And that. You just, I just really don't think you can do it at top level anymore to do the job properly. I don't think the media would allow you to do it because they'd always be looking for reasons to pull you up on things and so on, whatever. So he made a good decision. He's given himself a better chance to actually... To be, you know, to go and do something which no one in a million years ever thought Wayne Rooney was ever going to be a manager. Yeah, and let's say, let's put it on record: if he's as good a manager as he was a player, then uh, we'll be welcoming him into Old Trafford as an opposing manager at least. Um, <laughs> so we'll be definitely seeing him in the Premier League, um, and look forward to that day when it comes. Um, that's it for this week, guys. Uh, remember, TOTD10 for a 10% discount with classic football shirts. So please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.